my dad. Now here is a Everything strong, no, he can't do wrong, my dad. Only a dad, but he gives his all to smooth the way for his children small, doing with courage stern and grim the deeds that his father did for him. This is the line that for him I pen, only a dad, but the best of men. That's a poem by Edgar Albert Guest about the duties of being a good, respectable, and honest father, none of which we'll talk about today. Today we talk about mean fathers that are murderers, psychopaths, and incestuous assholes from hell. We laugh at some of them, fear others, and learn some lessons, albeit not in the way that Ward Cleaver would have intended. Today we talk about despicable dads. Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and the school's the other. We discuss everything from evil dolls, to murderous twins, to aborted baby toxic waste monsters. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? I just got back from therapy after listening to my Little People episode. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to be that depressing, but the, the situation was pretty depressing. I couldn't figure out a way to make no it no joy in that episode. It was... Yeah, it was pretty sad. glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what's up? What's going on? Hi, so why are we in a little shitty hotel room in Delaware? We're running from the law. Yeah. No. Right. So we hang out at Rehoboth Beach now and then. We have a good time. We come up here. It's and our spot. Spend, it's our spot to hang out. We had to reschedule recording, and that's partially my fault and partially your schedule. And we were like, why don't we just combine the two? We can come up here a day early, yep. record in the hotel, because we're used to moving our- Moving shit around. Moving shit around. Yep. I had to record at your house a couple times. And that's what we decided to do. We didn't realize that every fucking noise in the whole world is right outside our window. Who would have thought that Delaware- is louder than Brooklyn. Yeah, it's very strange. There's like a guy across the street with like a jackhammer. Mm-hmm. Somebody's like blowing leaves off the lawn, which it's not fall. No, it's no, no, summer. No. It's summer, and somebody just seems to be making laps on their fucking loud ass chopper motorcycle, just going around the block fifty times, revving their engine when they get past our room for yeah. some reason. Anyway, we've just decided to work through it, and hmm, yeah, there's nothing so, we can really do, folks. So if you hear some environmental noise, that's what's going on. 
All right, before we get started, I want to talk about a couple of things that some listeners sent me with periods. This episode was very popular. It was. A lot of people talked about their periods with us after the episode. I was just really happy that no one was horribly offended by this episode and that people felt comfortable with their periods and talking to it. Right. Anyone else out there who feel like they want to share their periods, feel free. Let us know. The first comment came from listener Claire, who mentioned that in movie 43, which I did mention about Mm -hmm. the shark scene, there's an additional scene where Chloe Grace Moritz suddenly gets her period at her boyfriend's house, and he and his brother all freak out. And she mentioned that it's a nice counterpoint to the period scene in Superbad, since the comedy comes from men's ridiculous reactions rather than the grossness of the period. So that was kind of interesting. She sent the scene and we watched it together. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And the last thing I want to mention is Tom had asked the question, are women as horrible as they are in Carrie? Would women actually throw tampons at someone who was freaking out about their period? And listener Sarah says, the answer to your question, Tom, is yes. She wrote, some girls are really shitty and bully other girls that way, mainly because when they find a good target, then it's just more ammunition. The scene in Carrie was totally plausible. Junior high and high school girls can be total garbage. LOL. Oh, nice. Okay, well, if anyone has a counterpoint out there, please send it to us and we'll discuss periods and whether girls are terrible bullies or not. Otherwise, I consider this issue to be over. A real woman actually told you the answer to the question. So it's the only time we (laughs) listened to a real woman's thoughts in that episode at all. It was actually Slayton's like ghost email account and he wrote to himself. I was like, Tom, you're stupid. Right. And then I just called my name Sarah. Yeah. Sounds sounds plausible. I only had one correction so far this season, although we're only, I've only done two episodes, I guess, that we're recording. Yeah. But that was from listener Shannon, who pointed out that I said Dustin Hoffman played Tootsie in the movie Tootsie, but Tootsie was actually her nickname. Yeah. Her real name was Dorothy Michaels. And it's funny that I missed it because I did talk about feminism within the whole gender benders thing, but Tootsie is a derogatory term for a woman. You know, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. thanks, Toots. And they named the movie Tootsie because she was a feminist in the movie. And so that was kind of, you know, the thing about it. But That's anyway, funny. I missed that. Her real name was Dorothy Michaels. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. And Shannon was like, didn't she like corner you? Yeah, and she, she was, was like, like, listen, let me tell you something. Yeah, How funny. dare you? She was also the one that walked in yesterday to the office and yelled, Mocha Dick! As <laughs> loud as she could. <laughs> <laughs> because she had just finished listening to the episode and there's been a lot of mocha dick uh, a lot of mocha dick going around this episode has been out for 24 hours and the big <laughs> takeaway from your episode mocha dick it's the only thing you got out of it so. how many minutes did you cut of me laughing like at least 40 i can't remember the last time i've laughed so hard at something as when you said that yeah i i was amazed that's why i had to keep in as much as possible but it could have taken up the rest of the episode yeah, by itself. Yeah. So yeah, it was great. Mocha dick. Mocha All right. dick. Are we doing season seven or what? I'd hope so. I think so. We've got some material. It's a matter of time and what's going on in our normal lives. See, we don't get any money out of this. So we actually have real jobs. We have to fake like we care about. Yeah. So however things work out, if our schedules work out, then we'll do it. Yeah. We're not going to be like, we're going to cancel it. We're going to go as far as we can. We decided that we weren't going to call this the last season because the last time we called something the last season, we took it back by the end of that season and it was stupid and we were boys that cried wolf. So we're just going to leave it indefinitely. Yeah. I got a couple topics. I do too. All right. So we'll see. See where we go. Well, that's a good segue because this was actually your idea. And for some reason, I went along with it. I know. Um, I can't believe you went. I usually just kind of kill your ideas and then scold you for having ideas on your own. And mock them, yeah. Mm-hmm. But your idea was to do, you had originally talked about doing Black Widows, an episode on what what it technically is a Black Widow. Like a woman that marries and kills their husbands and gets their money. Yeah. Talked about that. And then we kind of started talking 
about, well, if you're going to do kind of bad moms, then you need to do bad dads. Yeah. You were going to give me bad moms because I had already done high exploitation. Serial mom is like my favorite movie. Mommy dear is. Yeah. But I decided that I thought maybe you were stereotyping me into. <laughs> into moms. Into moms. Just because yeah. as a gay man, you know, I'm obsessed with insane women. I decided to do the unexpected thing, which was take the other one. Right. Which was despicable dads. Yeah. I wish that this were a more fun topic, but a lot of, so my super hot episode on incest, remember that I didn't do any uh, non-consensual relationships. They only did consensual relationships, Yes, which means that I skipped all of these horrible dads that rape their daughters and, you know, do all these horrible things. But now (laughs) that all had to go somewhere that all fell into this episode. So (laughs) this has the potential to be so much more depressing than my little people episode. It really does. So um, it could be, kind of sad buckle up folks the good news is is that because i took kind of the sadder and more pervy disgusting topic of despicable dads i think that yours is going to be kind of batshit crazy because it's crazy moms crazy and they're more fun than than crazy dads for the most part i think okay all right so there's a decent number of bad dads to talk about today it's not a huge amount i want to set a couple ground rules first there's really only one ground rule doing something despicable and being a father are not enough to qualify for this episode episode gotcha the despicable actor acts need to have something to do with the family so that can be murdering a family member being in a gross incestuous relationship with a son or daughter or even manipulating or lying to a point where they're fucking their kids up on purpose whether they know it's fucked up or whether they're crazy and they're just making their kids crazy like it's not enough to be like this guy murdered someone and he has two kids yeah many men in in movies have kids and also do something terrible but are nice to their kids so that doesn't make it into this episode right let's talk about some bad dads in history in real life okay there's been a lot i fact checked none of this as (laughs) one of the first despicable dads is king david from the bible that bastard very well liked to most bible people but apparently he didn't do shit after his own son raped his own daughter he also killed a man to steal his wife and as a result his own baby died Hmm. again i didn't fact check this although no one really fact checks the bible anyway i mean there's no way to fact check the bible this may sound like i'm bitter I am a little bit bitter. Yeah, I was going to say. God and religion play a big part in two of the bad dad themes that we'll talk about today. Okay, cool. Ivan the Terrible was also a really terrible dad. So Hence the title. Yeah. He killed his son in an argument by beating him over the head with a stick. He also caused his daughter-in-law to miscarry when he shook her in a violent rage. Terrible. Ivan the Terrible. I mean, it says it all in the title. Yep. And Marvin Gaye Sr., a Pentecostal minister, murdered Marvin Gaye during an argument and killed his own son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid. And it's stupid. Speaking of religious people that murder their family members, this guy named John List killed his wife, mother, and three children in their home in New Jersey, then disappeared in the 70s. He had planned the murder so meticulously that nearly a month passed before anyone suspected that anything was wrong. He ended up moving to Massachusetts and remarrying, and it took them 18 years to find him via someone spotting him from America's Most Wanted. The reason for killing his family was they were falling away from God. As his rationale, he said that killing them would secure their place in heaven so this is going to come up a few more times in this episode so don't forget his name john list right the last one is this guy his name is harry powers and he used to write lonely hearts newspaper single ads remember those that was before okay cupid i guess story of my life tinder yeah. and he would meet single moms that he robbed and murdered Damn. he met a woman with three kids named asta eicher eicher asta eicher 
Subreddit. Subreddit, yep. And took on the stepfather role in 1931. He tried to use the children to withdraw money from her account, probably after he had already killed her, and police raided his house not long after, and he found the bodies of her, her children, and another woman from Massachusetts that he also married, robbed, and killed. Damn. Numerous love letters were found in the trunk of his car. He had written to many women with the intention of stealing their money and killing them, just like he had with his most recent victims. He was hanged in West Virginia for his crimes. Damn. So it's appropriate that the first movie we talk about today is based on Harry Powers, and that is the movie The Night of the Hunter from 1955. Yeah, Yeah. good movie. The Night of the Hunter was the only film directed by Charles Lawton and starred Robert Mitchum. That was the father of Christopher Mitchum from Rico the Mean Machine. Classic film. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Shelley Winters and Lillian Gish. It's about this guy named Harry Powell who marries and murders widows for their money, believing he is helping God do away with women who arouse men's carnal instincts. Arrested for auto theft, he shares a cell with condemned killer Ben Harper and tries to get him to reveal the whereabouts of the $10,000 he stole. Only Ben's nine-year-old son, John, and four-year-old daughter, Pearl, know that the money is in Pearl's doll, and they've sworn to their father to keep the secret. After Ben is executed, he goes to court Ben's widow, Willa. He overwhelms her with scripture-quoting sermons and hymns. He basically like bogs her down in religion yeah. until she agrees to marry him. Mm-hmm. He spends the rest of the movie trying to find the money. Yep. Unlike the real Harry powers he didn't kill any kids in this movie since it did pass the production code in 1955 right but it's still pretty grisly for a mid-1950s charles lawton film it's pretty dark yeah i can hear you whispering children so i know you're down there i can feel myself getting awful mad here is all the passion and suspense the heart-pounding warmth of the best-selling novel that gripped millions superb unforgettable performances by an extraordinary array of talent the combined powers of Paul Gregory and Charles Lawton brought the King Mutiny Court Martial to Broadway. Now the screen receives that same creative, electrifying impact. The Night of the Hunter. The Night of the Hunter bombed at the box office and critics hated it too. It was really kind of like an arty noir film and it really didn't fit with other popular films at the time like Rebel with the Cause, Marty, and All That Heaven Allows. Meanwhile, it's had a resurgence and is now considered one of the best films ever made. Cahir du Cinema says it's the second best film ever after Citizen Kane and it has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. So there. There's a lot to like about it. Did you watch it? No, I didn't. So I have it. I got it on the Criterion version of it and I didn't see all the extras but it's a really gorgeous print of the film yeah so there's a scene in the movie where the kids kind of go on the run Mm -hmm. and i think they're on a boat or a raft or something so you see them going down the river but you can tell it's sort of fake and stagey and Mm -hmm. sort of dreamlike so it's sort of like their journey becomes this weird dreamlike saga Uh you know it's this kids in danger movie it's really actually a pretty thrilling film and robert mitchum is great in it and also he has love and hate on his knuckles which really pays homage to with the rings that radio raheem has and do the right thing which is 30 years old this yeah. year and that meatloaf has tattooed on his knuckles in the movie the rocky horror picture show oh i forgot mm-hmm. about that yep so it's a really good movie you should watch it yep harry powers and robert mitchum were both stepfathers and so was this next guy kind of okay i say kind of because the next movie is stanley kubrick's lolita from 1962 oh, wow set in the 1950s his name was humbert humbert This has to be something behind that. I don't know what it is. But anyway, he's a 40-something British professor of French literature. He rents a room in the house of a woman who has a 12-year-old daughter named Lolita, who immediately falls in love with. They don't say her age in the movie as part of the way of trying to 
get it through the production code. Right. But the book says she's 12 years old. Damn. He ends up marrying the woman just to be close to Lolita. And when she finds out, she freaks out and she gets hit by a car. Humbert takes Lolita on the road to avoid suspicion and pretends that she is his daughter when they stay at hotels. Meanwhile, he's fucking her. Right. Lolita ends up leaving him for another old man who Humbert kills in the end. He ends up dying before he can stand trial. (laughs) Kubrick wasn't really happy with Lolita and he blamed it on the censorship rules at the time. He said, quote, because of all the pressure over the production code and the Catholic Legion of Decency at the time, I believe I didn't sufficiently dramatize the erotic aspect of Humbert's relationship with Lolita and that he probably wouldn't have made the film had he realized in advance how difficult the censorship problems would have been, you know, because it was a nightmare getting Lolita made. And sure. as a result, it's not a particularly good film. So I know it has Peter Sellers playing Hubbard Humbert. Humbert, Humbert yeah. yeah. And I'd heard it was a dark comedy. I haven't seen it, though, so I don't know. The issue with it is is it's neither here nor there. Gotcha. You know, Lolita was super, super controversial as a book. It, it still is. It's yeah. about a man who is basically having sex with an underage girl who is not of legal age to provide consent. Hmm. And he fucks her up, and then she goes and basically marries another old man. He fucked up this woman's life, right. essentially. But because he had to get this movie through the production code for it to make any money, he basically had to kind of water it down. Yeah. In order to get it made. And so therefore, the topic is controversial, but the movie is not particularly controversial. And that's a shame. Yeah, Yeah. that is a shame. Both fathers so far have been stepfathers. And it wasn't until the 70s that we see our first actual despicable dad. And that was Michael Corleone in The Godfather. Yeah. Obviously, everyone has seen this movie. And in our very first episode, we actually said we weren't going to talk about The Godfather. Remember that? Well, we said we weren't going to make this podcast be something that was like a dissection of The Godfather or prestigious films. Guess what? We fucking lied. We lied. Here we are. Took six six seasons. seasons. Yep. Michael Corleone. I'm going to say Michael Corleone because I'm a white person. Obviously played by Al Pacino. Al Pacino? Al Pacino (laughs) was the son of Vito, and that's Marlon Brando. And he ends up taking over the family business, which is, of course, the mob. He has a few kids and a wife, but that doesn't stop him from killing his sister's husband in the first movie. Then he beats his wife in The Godfather 2 and steals the kids when she tries to get them away from him and his criminal life. Yeah. He has his brother, Fredo, murdered. And then, Fredo. And then in The Godfather 3 is ultimately responsible for his daughter's death, played by Sofia Coppola. Played horribly. Horribly. Oh, horribly. my God. What a mess that yeah, was. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, well, you know who was originally supposed to play? the role of his daughter no who Winona Ryder oh really yeah I didn't know that. she pulled out and then he casts Sofia Coppola but then he got her back for Dracula oof boy that's another dark that movie sucks (laughs) Dracula sucks (laughs) it does suck it's really bad I I got it not too long ago and I was like yeah remember this like I'm gonna love it now it's probably better now than it was (laughs) it's gonna be so good the movie is terrible (laughs) there is nothing good about that movie ugh So this is the part of the episode where we can start to kind of identify a few themes moving forward. So far, we've talked about stepfathers that have married into families for wealth. So that's Harry Powers and the movie The Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Or to molest their stepdaughters, like in Lolita. Great. We've talked about holier-than-thou religious figures. That's Marvin Gaye and John List in real life. Mm -hmm. And now Michael Corleone, who appears to be just trying to protect and provide his family, but he's also responsible for the murders of them. So just keep... Keep that in mind as we're moving forward. Oh, good. The next and probably worst ad so far is in Polanski's Chinatown from 1974. <laughs> in the movie, which I'm guessing everyone has seen, Jack Nicholson is a detective investigating the chief engineer of the LA Department of Power and Water in the early 1930s. It's a complicated mystery, but spoiler 
we find out that the woman who hired him, played by Faye Dunaway, was raped and impregnated by her father when she was 15. That's played by John Huston. Oh, yeah. He drowns her husband and is ultimately responsible for her death at the end. Remember, she ends up getting shot by accident yeah, at yeah. the end. Forgot about that. You might note that I did not talk about him in my episode on incest, although it would have been a good time for that. Mm-hmm. But remember, only consensual incest for that right. one. So, again, that's where all this dumps out into <laughs> I think I also remember saying, I'm not going to talk about it because it's sad. And I didn't want the episode to be sad. Right. Now, here we are. Well, oddly enough, it's amazing how many people like really enjoyed the incest <laughs> yeah. episode. And we're looking forward to it. We talked about this before, but they're like, oh, I'm excited about incest. And yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's... Well, there you go. You know, because it was hot. I, I mean, proved that incest is hot by the end of that. According to you, it was hot. Yep. This is actually the first bad dad movie to sweep the Golden Globes. It won Best Drama, Best Director, Best Actor for Jack Nicholson, and Best Screenplay. Huh. It was nominated for 11 Oscars, but it only won Best Original Screenplay. Chinatown presents us with a different type of bad dad, one that knows the difference between wrong and right, but either becomes drunk with power or loses sight of what a father figure is supposed to be. He's similar to Michael Corleone in this way. He, he's not crazy. He's not insane. Right. He's not trying to please God and, you know, coming up with ridiculous things and saying, God told me to do it. He's just really shitty at being a dad. Yeah. He had like one job, which is to not rape your own daughter. <laughs> You had one job. Chinatown was a pretty highbrow mystery, but this next film with a bad dad was the science fiction film. You might have heard of it, The Empire Strikes Back from 1980. What was that about? <laughs> Up until this point, we know that Darth Vader is a shitty person. But when Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader get into a lightsaber duel, Vader cuts his hand off and then tempts him to join the dark side. Luke accuses Vader of murdering his father, but Vader reveals that what? I forgot <laughs> that he is his father. Ah, you go. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. This is considered by many people to be the best plot twist in the history of film. Hmm. You know, I'm not really a Star Wars fan, so let's discuss it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've seen The Empire Strikes Back one time, I think when I was probably nine. You know how I am about big blockbuster movies that everyone loves. I just tend to kind of ignore them in life. I know, you're such a fucking hipster that way. Enough people like these movies that I don't, they don't need me. Right. I'd rather champion Welcome to the Dollhouse. Right. I grew up watching these movies so i was the right age group for it as a kid finding that out it was like oh shit i i didn't really know if darth vader at that time was like a robot or a person mm-hmm. they never yeah. really established whether right yeah sure he's you never seen him unmasked right now in empire strikes back there's a scene where you see the back of his head and his helmet comes down suggesting that he's a person so mm-hmm. they had that establishing shot to say oh he's a human all right but at the time i feel like as a kid we didn't know what the fuck he was right and so finding out that there's a person under all that and that he you know was luke's dad was just like out in fucking nowhere were you out in shock did you like I was just like what do you you think it's the best plot twist in film history i don't know i don't know if it is or not but it's a it's a good one listeners is this the best plot twist or do you have one that you think is better than empire strikes back let us know let us know right in interestingly enough that same year we would also see another very famous bad dad and that was jack nicholson in the shining Mm -hmm. 
We already know from the beginning of the movie that Jack has hurt his son Danny in the past, and as a result has stopped drinking. He takes a job at the Overlook Hotel to write over the winter when the hotel is snowed in. Obviously, everyone in the world has seen this one, but the hotel was built on a Native American burial ground and has some pretty shady history, namely that the last guy that was the caretaker of the hotel killed his whole family after a bout of cabin fever. So he's also a bad, there's really two bad dads in this movie. Right. And the people specifically that he killed were the scary, terrifying twins that appear to Danny. And then we see all axed up all over the blood everywhere. Blood everywhere. That's a, that's an upsetting scene. Yeah. Meanwhile, the phones go out, they get snowed in and Jack spends the rest of the movie trying to correct their bad behavior by killing them. Yep. The Shining Bad Dads have a similar motive to John List, that family members need to be controlled by either God or the father of the family. Mm-hmm. John List killed his family because they were not holy enough for him, but the Shining Dads kill their families, I'm saying, because they want to be God, essentially. Yeah. I also want to mention that there's a scene in The Shining which doesn't get talked about a lot, and that's the scene where Jack and Danny have a conversation in the bedroom about the hotel, and Jack as a father, and would he ever hurt them. Yeah, I'm going to play a clip from this because it's going to come up a little bit later. Okay. Dad? What? You would never hurt Mommy and me, would you? What do you mean? Did your mother ever say that to you? That I would hurt you? No, Dad. Sure? Yes, Dad. I love you, Danny. I love you more than anything else in the whole world. I would never do anything to hurt you. Never. You know that, don't you? Yes, Dad. Well, first of all, The Shining is one of those films that has been studied a million times. There's too a docu- much. Mm-hmm. Way too much. There's a documentary called Room 237. I hated that. Did you? <laughs> it was so weird how much I hated that movie. I found some of the theories interesting or the full of shit, like the whole like fake moon landing crap and everything. But other studies of that film suggest that there was some sort of incest issue between Danny and Jack Nicholson's character. Mm-hmm. They're saying that conversation kind of had that undertone. This will come up later. So, oh goody. Yep. Oh good, we're getting back into incest. Back into incest. All right, anyway, yeah. so. So speaking of John List, the next movie is loosely based on him and that's the movie The Stepfather from 1987. Oh yeah. Stepfather stars Terry O'Quinn, that's John Locke from Lost. Mm-hmm. He was actually my favorite character in Lost. Yeah, he was good. As a man who at the beginning of the film kills his whole family and changes his identity and starts over with a new wife and stepdaughter unbeknownst to them. The film really focuses around the suspicion that some people have of him, specifically his stepdaughter. As people start closing in on him, he begins to concoct a new identity in a different town to begin a new life, but as he goes to kill his new family, they kill him first. Oh, yeah. I watched this movie for this episode. I had never seen it before. You hadn't? It's great. And it's great. It's a great movie. It's got a really eerie opening scene. Yeah, yeah, really good. Where he walks down the stairs and they're just all dead everywhere and it looks harsh. It's aged well, too. 
it's good. Yeah, it's, it's good you know, it's clearly an '80s movie, but there aren't things of the '80s of where you're just like, oh my god, what was everyone thinking? Yeah, it's well made. It's yeah. well done. Stepfather actually got really good reviews, and he did pretty well at the box office as well. It was really Terry O'Quinn's performance, though, that drove the movie. Like he is the movie. Yeah, his character is constantly looking for the perfect. I put that in quotes. The perfect family, but he can never really seem to find it. Everywhere he goes, there's just something not to his liking. So he kills them all and moves on to the next one, hoping for better luck. As I mentioned in The Shining and Night of the Hunter, this theme of the perfect family is different from dads that are trying to please God or trying to be God. The stepfather type of dads are the dads that use their masculinity to be the leaders or dominant members of the family. And when that fails, they fall apart. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Twin Peaks, more specifically (laughs) the movie Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Yeah. I watched the show and movie way after the fact, so I'm pretty versed in Twin Peaks history. It's not something that like I saw when I was a kid and don't really remember well. I saw it as an adult. Yeah. But I never really knew the drama behind all of it because when it did come out, I I was pretty young. Yeah. And so I did a lot of research to try to figure out what happened here because this was a disaster. Yeah. David Lynch and co-writer Mark Frost were actually working on a TV project about Marilyn Monroe at the time. They were both really interested in Marilyn's trials and tribulations and they were headed in the direction of saying that the Kennedys killed her, but the project never really made it off the ground. They took this conspiracy idea along with the unsolved death of a woman in Mark Frost's hometown and they pitched the idea of Twin Peaks to ABC and after a lot of disagreements, it got greenlit. They created a pilot. It tested maybe not so great, but it ended up on TV and oddly enough, got pretty good reviews and drew a really big audience. It was unlike anything else on TV at the time. It was really unlike anything in the history of ever that ever happened. <laughs> yeah. It kind of worked. It worked for a while. It worked for a while. That's a vi- that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. The plot is about a high school girl named Laura Palmer that is found murdered in the town of Twin Peaks. That's in I wrote Washington. Is that right? Or was it Oregon? I think it was Washington State. One of the two. Yeah. Agent Dale Cooper is brought in to find the murderer, but the town is full of weird, dark secrets and wacky characters. We learn that she was living a double life as a prom queen, but also a prostitute, and dealt with being sexually abused by her father by taking drugs. It's dark, but it's also funny. It's weird. It's offbeat. The series... David Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. The series did really well, but kind of fell apart in the second season as Mark Frost and David Lynch disagreed about whether to solve the mystery or not. It was canceled after the second season. But what does this TV show have to do with bad dads in the movies? Right. So David Lynch decided to make a movie about Laura Palmer in the last seven days before she died. So in the series, she's dead the whole time. She's yeah. only seen in flashbacks or basically in a body bag. Like the in the first scene, her being discovered in the pilot episode? Yep. Yeah. Dead is what I mean. Dead, yeah. The series had already, for the most part, solved the murder, but he wanted to explain what happened to get them there, and he didn't want the strict rules of TV to inhibit the story. Right. So even though the show was canceled, he tried to get the cast back together for the movie, and it only halfway worked. Laura Flynn Boyle didn't come back, so he recast her role with Maura Kelly. Kyle MacLachlan only wanted to come back as a small role. He added Kiefer Sutherland and David Bowie to the film for some reason. Right. The movie has some terrifying and truly fucked up stuff in it. It didn't really stay true to the TV show at all. The tone was much darker, and there was practically no quirk. Just really fucked up people doing really fucked up things. Yeah. 
It premiered at Cannes, and the rumors are that it got booed and heckled, and even longtime fan Quentin Tarantino badmouthed it. It bombed at the box office, and critics called it one of the worst movies ever made. While the show had already explained that the person that killed Laura Palmer was her schizophrenic father, who changed characters back and forth with a guy named Bob, that's capital B-O-B, the movie took it way further, and people were not happy about it. Already, Twin Peaks had ended with an unsatisfying conclusion, and now this thing made it worse. Yeah, History has been good to the movie, though, and David Lynch has explored a lot of this person changes into other person in his other movies like Mulholland Drive, Inland Empire, and Lost Highway. So it all makes a little bit more sense now in retrospect, as much as a David Lynch movie could ever really make sense. Two things. Mm-hmm. I saw this movie without having seen the show. Oh, boy. And I didn't. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Oh, boy. So I imagine even from what, yeah, from what you've said, even watching the show, you're like, what the fuck? fuck is this movie so second when they resurrected the series how did they work in this movie and the old series did you watch all of it i've seen the old stuff and i just watched the movie for the episode and i have no idea about the new series so i am going to watch the new series what i would like to do is i would like to go back and watch the series again because i haven't watched it since my early 20s i don't need to see the movie again that was enough Mm -hmm. one time was enough of that and honestly i really wanted to like the movie because i like fucked up things and i like david lynch and i don't care if a movie doesn't make sense which it doesn't right this was not good this looked like david lynch was on a bender when he made this mm-hmm. one it's really it's very misogynist it's right. prostitution it's orgy it's this woman went from zero to 100 like super super quick yeah It's just really fucked up. Speaking of crazy incestuous fathers, one of the most memorable bad dad scenes happened in one of the most controversial films of the 1990s, Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers from 1994. Oh, yeah. This movie has kind of been forgotten, but it was a big stinking deal when it came out for numerous reasons. One, it was about the glamorization of serial killers by the media, as we saw in the O.J. Simpson case, the Menendez brothers, Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan, all of that. Two, it actually kind of glamorized murder as well, and some people even blame it for Columbine. Three, it featured Rodney Dangerfield as an actual incestuous rapist instead of just implying it like in his previous film, Ladybugs. I was about to correct you and say Ladybug star uh-huh. Rodney Ladybug star Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Ladybug's vehicle, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield. Right, yes. Rodney Dangerfield plays the father of Mallory, played by Juliette Lewis, and eventually gets murdered by her and her new boyfriend, played by Woody Harrelson. The scene called I Love Mallory is played as a married with children meets I Love Lucy complete with a TV laugh track the twist is that nothing in it is funny it's a scene that shows us Rodney Dangerfield is raping his daughter while his mother does nothing hi dad how is work what work I'm unemployed where the f*** are you been huh well you look nice Mallory what are you wearing a broomstick and a trash bag why don't you put some meat on you, huh? A few pounds lighter, you'll be missing the opium. How the hell do you think you're going, huh? I'm going to the John Lee Hooker concert with Donna. I told you that yesterday. First off, you don't tell me anything. You ask my permission. Second, you're not going out in that hoover house dress. Or I'll kick the shit out of you, like I do her. So if your ass is in this house, it's my ass. <laughs> 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 
I kind of like that overall scene. Me too. I love it. But what helped it immensely was when Woody Harrelson comes in and the laugh track, everybody applauds like they did on Cheers when he used to be on that. Yeah. So it was sort of like a nightmare edition of Cheers. Yep. Where Woody comes in there and he's murders Ronnie Dangerfield. So yeah. it's a bunch of things going on at once that is played really great. This whole movie was a bunch of things going on at once. It was. It doesn't age well. I bet. This was one of my favorite movies growing up. I remember. Soundtrack, you played that all the time. All we had the time. Yeah. I have not watched it in probably 15 years. And I haven't done it because I have good memories of it. And I don't probably want to watch it and realize it's probably not a very good movie. I bought the DVD at the thrift store not too long ago. I saw it there and I was like, I haven't seen it forever. And so I bought it mm-hmm. you know, for like two bucks. And I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. I, same thing. I don't know if I really want to see it, but I feel like it's probably not aged all that great. That would be my guess as well. Also, fun fact, there was a really cool book tie-in because the book tie-in was written as though it was a true crime book and it had like pictures in the middle of it and everything. I had it. You did have it. Do you still have it? No, no. It's too bad. It It was was one of those that disappeared, yeah. That's pretty neat. It was a really cool book. Yeah. So I'm going to do a little tally. Since we're about halfway through this, we've got crazy religious dads in The Night of the Hunter. Yep. We've got dads that are just plain incestuous and rape their daughters like in Lolita, Chinatown, and now Natural Born Killers. Yep. We've got truly unhinged insane people like Jack Nicholson in The Shining and Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me and then we have the power hungry family protectors like The Godfather and I'm gonna say Empire Strikes Back just because he is trying to preserve he's trying to get Luke to join him in the bad side so he is kind of protecting the family just not in a very nice way yeah so my next dad really fits none of these tropes because the next dad actually is Satan and that (laughs) film is The Devil's Advocate from 1997 starring Keanu Reeves oh wow Also starring Charlize Theron and Al Pacino, and he plays the devil. Super rough plot. We talked about this in Deals with the Devil, so I'm going to move on. But Keanu Reeves is a lawyer that has promised law, wealth, and success and takes the bait. And then horrible Satan things happen because his boss is Satan. And then, of course, it's revealed that he's also Keanu's dad. (laughs) This sounds a lot like The Empire Strikes Back, kind of, all of a sudden. But with Satan. With Satan and Al Pacino. Yeah. Yeah. Who is a great casting choice for Satan. Yeah. I wonder if he took that because he's, like, competing with Robert De Niro who played Satan in Angel Heart. Oh, right. Angel so Heart. now you have two Godfather alumni both playing Satan. Mm-hmm. There's a fun fact for you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so far, most of all the bad dads have either murdered their own kids or wives or molested or raped their own family members. But this next film, which we've talked about a few times, has a dad that doesn't really do anything with his own family. Okay. So why is it in this episode? Why? So the movie is Happiness from 1998. Oh. So I'm going to geek out on this movie a little just because we've never really talked about it other than the jizz scenes, of which there are actually two in this film. There are. Anyway, the real bad dad in this movie is Dylan Baker as Father Bill Maplewood, who is in therapy and constantly describes fantasies of shooting strangers, and he masturbates to teeny bopper magazines. We get the impression that he's been holding back for years, but ultimately becomes obsessed with his 11-year-old son's best friend, Johnny Grasso. At a sleepover, he drugs his family including Johnny, and he rapes him off camera, of course. Later, it's implied that he rapes another of Billy's friends while his parents are out of town. When questioned by the cops, he confuses their names and thus gives himself up. Just before Bill goes to prison for what we presume is going to be an extremely long time, he has a conversation with Billy about what happened. And this is probably the most uncomfortable conversation ever in the history of Earth. 
Yeah. It's even more uncomfortable than Jack and Danny Torrance in The Shining, of which now you're saying could potentially be a similar molestation or, or child raping plot. There's theories about it, but again, yeah. that conversation isn't even the same universe as the fucked up conversation that's in Happiness. I'm going to play it right now. <laughs> oh, great. Dad? Yes, Billy? Everyone at school is saying things about you. What are they saying? That you're... A serial rapist mm. and a pervert. Um, Dad, did did you um uh w- with Johnny Grasso and Ronald Farber? Yes. What did you do? I touched them. What do you mean exactly touched? I fondled them. What for? I couldn't help myself. So that, yep, that's fucked up. I saw this movie in the theater and... Everybody walked out. (laughs) Uh, I don't think there was anybody in the theater to start with. I think it might have just been me. I can't even remember who I saw it with. I thought this movie was and still is a masterpiece. It's unsettling, obviously. It's it's long. It's grueling. It's really hard to watch. And so, of course, I gave it five stars. I did show this to other friends that were lovers of film and they had very different reactions. I thought that everyone who loved film would love this movie, and I was very incorrect. Wait, and I wait, was like, wait, oh. wait, wait. Hold on, back all of this up. Yep. So, uh, maybe I wasn't just paying attention right then. Maybe I was zoning out. Why the fuck did you think, hey, come watch this movie? Yeah. I'm flabbergasted that you are shocked that people wouldn't have like been like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Slate, making them watch this movie? Yeah, maybe in retrospect, that was <laughs> that was the way to look at it. <laughs> So meanwhile, (laughs) Happiness got outstanding reviews, including a four-star review from Roger Ebert. One of the reasons critics and audience responded to such an adult-themed movie about pedophilia, rape, murder, and ejaculating tweens was because of the family dynamic when it comes to honesty, for good or for bad. Right. Most of the dads we've talked about today were not just murderers, thieves, adulterers, incestors, I don't know if that's a word, but they were also liars. You know, they lied about things. The scene with Bill and Billy was so uncomfortable because Bill told the truth, even though the truth was he did some really horrible fucked up things. Right. In Roger Ebert's review, he wrote, quote, a friend who saw the movie told me instead of lying, he kept telling him the truth, regardless of how hard that was for both of them. The honesty may be the one thing that saves the son from the immense damage done by the father. Right. So I thought that was an interesting perspective. I'd never really thought about the, in retrospect in The Shining. Danny is asking Jack all these questions of which Jack is lying to him. He saying no i love it i want to stay here for a long time and i would never hurt you or whatever the flip side of that is happiness every question that he asks you keep expecting the dad to lie to him but he doesn't he tells him the truth you know thinking about it with a movie like happiness so okay looking at horror movies people don't mind being scared right? right they don't mind seeing gore for the most part some of it's disturbing but what people don't like is being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And in its own way, that kind of makes Happiness a horror movie, like a real horror yeah, sure. movie, because it's actually stimulating an emotional response that is terrifying in a whole different way that people don't want to acknowledge mm-hmm. at all. And and it's fucked up. That's interesting. Hashtag happiness is a horror film. I think so in its own way. It's a, its own form of horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I'm skipping Austin Powers from 1998 because we talked about also it Also a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm skipping it. Yeah. I'm moving on to the two bad dads in American Beauty from 1999. Okay. American Beauty's first bad dad is real life monster Kevin Spacey <laughs> as Lester, who is sick of being married. He's lazy and he's obsessed with his daughter's best friend and has sexual fantasies about her. Luckily, unlike in real life, when he finally gets the chance to have sex with her, he turns her down. Yeah. The second bad dad is the neighbor who, after seeing Lester and his son together in the garage, thinks that they're having a gay love affair and he goes over to confront him. Then he actually tries to kiss Kevin Spacey and returns with a gun and then kills him. Yeah. Lester doesn't really belong in this episode since he's a shitty father, but probably no worse than most of our dads. Mm-hmm. You know, most of our dads who like to fuck our underage friends. Yeah. But he didn't. Okay, fair enough. And the neighbor guy didn't kill anyone in his own family. So he's just a guy that shoots a guy, but happens to be a dad. Right. However, he's a real asshole to his son for most of the movie. And his wife is basically senile. So he gets the trying to protect his family, but also lying. And he keeps secrets like Bill does from happiness. So it kind of works as a thing. Lester is not a bad dad within the criteria of this episode, but the neighbor is. Yeah. Falling into the category of dads who are playing God is the father and also the mother in Yorgos Lanthimos' first mainstreamish kind of film, Dogtooth from 2009. Oh, yeah. Dogtooth is about a couple and their adolescent son and two adolescent daughters that live in a fenced-in compound. The children have no knowledge of the outside world. Their parents say that they'll be ready to leave once they lose a dogtooth. That's whatever this tooth that I'm pointing to that no one at home can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an incisor. Is that an incisor? Sure, yeah. And that they can only leave safely by car. The parents reward good behavior with stickers and bad behavior with violence. They have a special language made up as they have never met anyone on the other side of the fence, although we never really know why their father keeps them away other than he doesn't want them associated with the dangers of the outside world. So it's not particularly like a religion thing being like, oh, we're super religious, so I don't want the children to ever see the outside world because they'll be tainted by it. We don't really know why. It's one of the great things about the film is that it's unexplained. Also, I just want to say that reward system sounds pretty much like, you know, my public school system. Yeah, stickers when you're good, violence, violence when, when you're, you're bad. bad. Yeah. Father has a job, he's a security guard at a factory and he pays a, a woman that he works with, Christina, to come to the house and have sex with the son, but she ends up more interested in sex with one of the daughters and she trades sex, her sex, for a bag of Hollywood VHS tapes in her bag. When the father We've just in there. Yeah. I can tell you how many times I've gotten VHS tapes for sex. The parents decide that they will have the son choose one of his sisters as a new sexual partner. So they're basically saying like, well, you have to have sex with someone, I guess, pick one of your sisters. So after he fondles both of them with his eyes closed, he chooses one of them. I'm not going to spoiler the ending of the movie. There's also a cat murder, which I won't spoil. It's such a good movie that I would want anyone to see this movie and not ruin what happens at the end, but also got an Oscar nomination for Best Foreign Film, which we talked about in my incest episode. Mm -hmm. It was a real shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a pretty recent movie about God being a father on Earth, Darren Aronofsky's commercial disaster Mother from 2017. Oh, fun. Quick plot, although there isn't much of one. It's more of a dream-type experimental like allegory, I think. Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem live in the burnt-out remains of a large house him his name is him capital h-i-m that's stupid yeah an acclaimed poet struggling with writer's block places a crystal object on a pedestal and the ruined house morphs into a gorgeous home it's almost like the garden of eden type of idea yeah in bed mother her name is mother capital m of course the poet's wife and muse awakens and wonders aloud where he is 
she's renovating the house and then another man turns up he asks for a room soon his wife and then their two sons show up and dozens more as the movie turns into almost kind of like a home invasion story yeah they're rude entitled they break things she orders everyone out and then the next day she announces that she's pregnant the news gets dad writing again and then all of his fans show up to see the baby military forces battle a cult of frenzied fans who tear rooms apart and engage in religious rituals amidst gunfire and explosions the poet's publicist organizes mass executions like this movie goes insane yeah in in about the third act mother goes into labor and when she falls asleep him the father takes the child outside to the crowd they pass the baby around until his neck is snapped she's waiting have you seen this no oh you haven't seen it i don't care spoiler i'm telling you everything i don't care just tell me i don't care she wakes up and like comes out and she's like waving around a shard of glass they're trying to find the baby they all turn on her they viciously beat and attempt to strangle her until he intervenes he implores mother to forgive them but then they eat the baby right they like tear it apart and they're all eating it how graphic is that very very i understand why this upset people I was upset by this. Sure. Yeah. In the end, she ends up blowing up the house, but they both survive. He tears open her chest, removes her heart, and he crushes it with his hand, and then he reveals a new crystal object. He places it on a pedestal, and once again, the house is transformed, and now there's a new mother in the bed. Wow. So the movie kind of starts where it's, sto- you know, it, it's it kind of like an ever Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> this movie was really controversial because obviously Javier Bardem is God and wants to be loved and adored, and so he keeps forgiving and and nurturing people and on the other side jennifer lawrence who i i guess is mother nature is like people stop fucking up everything because you can be forgiven by god at the end you know that's essentially what the movie is saying that like people are horrible and rotten and terrible they fuck up everything because in christianity you can apologize right before you die and then everything's fine right it paints the human condition as a really really bad and annoying and stupid rash heartless people sure Oh, and baby murderers and cannibalism, too. Yeah. Fun. All the while, Dad just kind of watches and does nothing. I really liked this film. I have no desire to ever see Mm -hmm. it again. But I'm not surprised people that really like the movie Black Swan and Noah were not happy with this movie that insulted them and implied that Jennifer Lawrence was better than God, essentially. Wait, people like Noah? Noah made a fortune. Did you ever know this? Noah made everything a zillion dollars at the box office i think a lot of it was overseas it made a lot of fucking money huh i actually watched noah not too long ago i'm not a big fan of religious movies and this was like it wasn't he wasn't just like oh there's no god in this movie like this was a religious film it's really weird didn't have like rock monsters in it or some shit yeah rock (laughs) monsters i didn't see that one either actually his last film i saw was black swan Oh, really? I think. I don't oh, think I've, I've seen, seen every film he's ever made. I see all of them. Well, he, he only saw, did the two after that, which was Noah and this one, right? There was one other one. I guess you're right. Yeah. The Wrestler was before Black Swan. Correct. So. The better of the two, I thought. Agreed. I want to briefly talk about one more movie here called Boy Erased from 2018, okay. which is the true story about a family from Arkansas where the Southern Baptist minister father played by Russell Crowe and his wife, Nicole Kidman, Arkansas couple, you know, old 
Americans, Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman. Yeah. They send their gay teenage son to gay conversion therapy. It's needless to say a horrible, horrible place that uses violence, religion, and fucked up psychology to trick him into being straight, which causes one of the patients to commit suicide. Eventually, Nicole Kidman swoops in and gets him out of there. But Russell Crowe sides with God instead of admitting that maybe gay conversion therapy isn't a great way to treat your son, even if you don't agree with his sexual orientation. He's basically like, I would rather you go to this horrible, horrible gay conversion place than admit that maybe my religion might be wrong on this one yeah well shit no one dies except the guy that commits suicide but i needed another religious person to fit my tropes because i am going to do a little bit of wrap up here oh great and honestly fuck that guy like you don't (laughs) have to kill someone or molest your daughter to be a shitty fucking dad agreed yeah Yeah, fuck that guy so that's the last full-on despicable dad movie i'm going to talk about in its entirety but i want to do a final tally here to organize the tropes okay so we've got dads that are just plain incestuous and rape their daughters like in chinatown and natural born killers yep we've got truly unhinged insane people like jack nicholson in the shining and twin peaks fire walk with me we have the power hungry family protectors like the godfather and the neighbor in american beauty and then just some plain mentally damaged dads like lolita and bill from happiness We've got crazy religious God-fearing dads in The Night of the Hunter and Boy Erased. And now we've got some dads that kind of think they are God or at least play the role of God. Obviously, Javier Bardem and Mother and the dad in Dogtooth, while not religious, but basically creates his own world, language, and morals. You know, it's okay to have sex with your sister because you're a man. And even Al Pacino in The Devil's Advocate because you can play God while also being the devil. Those are the tropes that I think most bad dad movies fit into. Thanks, yeah. So that's where I'm going to leave this. I've got a couple honorable mentions as well to chat about that didn't necessarily fit the criteria, but I didn't want to leave them out. I'm guessing that my episode probably isn't as much fun as yours because you got Serial Mom and Mommy Dearest and I got Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me and Mother. But if you put it that way, then yeah. What do you think? Good episode. Good episode. It's interesting you tied the, the themes back together with the terrible dads. So when you brought up happiness, but you said it was a movie about a dad that didn't do anything, I thought it was from a different movie, which Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's going to be one of your wrap-up movies. What is it? Force Majeure. So that's the second one on my honorable mentions. So are they remaking this movie, I've heard? What, in English? In English, yeah. Why? So this is a Swedish film. I actually saw it in the theater on opening night when it came out. Family goes away to a skiing weekend, and there's about to be an avalanche and everyone starts freaking out and the father just runs away and leaves his family to deal with it and then he kind of comes back and they don't really talk about it but then the rest of the movie is what this has done to their relationship and whether he ran away or whether he was trying to go get help or whatever and then there's a lot of lying there's a lot of family dynamics of what is the father's role in this type of thing right and it's also played as a dark comedy too yeah so I haven't seen it. I just know the scene yeah. and question and basic plot of the movie. I mean, I think the reason why I saw it on opening night was I was like, ooh, a Swedish disaster movie. It is not. It is not. No. The avalanche turns out to be nothing other than to prove that this father basically ditched his whole family and tried to save himself. So. Right. And then trying to play it off. Right. I like, guess, or, oh, no, I was just going to go get help. You know, yeah, I tripped or whatever. Not fitting any of the tropes that we've talked about is the movie Female Trouble from 1974. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring a John 
John Waters yeah. movie into this somehow. Divine plays a bad mom and a bad father in the movie. So after female Divine runs away from home, she hitchhikes a ride with the male Divine. The two go have sex on a dirty mattress and she becomes pregnant. After male Divine refuses to give their daughter Taffy any child support and Divine beats her and keeps her tied up, Taffy escapes to go live with her dad, but he's a drunk and tries to rape her and she ends up stabbing him to death with the mayonnaise knife. <laughs> Later, when female Divine is about to start her nightclub act, Taffy reveals that she's joined the Hare Krishnas and Divine murders her. <laughs> so that's a maniacal mom and a diabolical dad played by the same actor. Yep. Parents from 1989. <laughs> this is obviously a movie where you've got a bad dad and a bad mom. We discussed this earlier in decided that i would take this one yes this is cannibal parents and he suspects them the father ends up trying to kill him but then ends up blowing himself up essentially and in the end he goes to live with his grandparents but the kind of twist is is that they give him a midnight snack and it's a suspicious looking meat sandwich and a glass of milk it's kind of implying that they're cannibals too right we need to do something about grandparents i'm not sure what it is yet i don't know if it's the male version of my hag exploitation episode or something but I'll figure there's it out. some Season good seven. there's some good bad grandparents movies yeah there are and then my last one is the house that jack built from 2019 this movie's a little confusing i actually thought when i saw it that he was going out with his wife and his two kids because the movie's split up into scenes and you don't know what his life is like other than he's a serial killer and these are the people that he kill but as it turns out i actually did the research he is just dating this woman and he kills both of her kids and then he kills her last damn so he does some kid killing oh wow and uh but i mean he's not really a stepfather which is why it didn't make its way into this episode but it's a pretty upsetting scene of where i think we saw six people walk out of it i actually saw the director's cut premiere of it matt dillon was there and introduced the movie Hmm. and i think six people walked out of that scene damn yeah that's everything wow great episode i'm glad i don't have kids so i can't be a bad dad but no that was good my episode hopefully ties into that very well there's a lot of different tropes that you'll see Mm -hmm. in maniacal moms which is coming up next so we'll see how they tie together yeah but anyway good job good work good hope this one i tried to lighten the mood a little bit i tried to not just be like incest and rape and murder but but you were i did yeah (laughs) yeah i did it with i did it with with some fun yeah it was it was fun i I felt like it was a nice light-hearted incest rape and murder you know it's a little good you're welcome levity there so anyway okay well join us next time for the second half of our two-part episode on bad parents with maniacal moms we'll see you then thanks everyone thanks bye thanks for listening to slums of film history you can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find the links to some of the movies we talked about today and also be sure to check us out on facebook and twitter where we share a lot of additional content and if you like the show or have any comments or suggestions please drop us an email at slumsoffilmhistory at gmail.com or write us a review on itunes we'd love to hear from you and as always please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out we're not professionals just two friends that love gross movies i'm excited i'm excited about religion i'm not excited about religion nobody is it sucks (laughs)